Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? The Old Testament readings have become pretty common for us now and habitual for us now, but perhaps those of you who were regular in church before the early 70s may remember that this was not always the case. In the previous hymnals and in the uh, one-year lectionary, there was an epistle lesson and there was a gospel lesson, but there was no Old Testament lesson provided. That, that was uh, an innovation in the 70s. It was as though for, I don't know, 1970 some odd years, the church had set aside for a time the public reading of accounts of the Old Testament in favor of the gospel lesson and the epistle lessons. But in the 1970s, the church determined that we would do something different. And I guess I'd like to encourage you to take a look at what we did. It's in your hymnal. If you open up your hymnal to some of the very first pages, you'll see a big title on there called Lectionaries. Big title on there called Lectionaries. And the first one there is listed as series A. Sundays and Seasons, three-year lectionary series A. And if you love Roman numerals, I mean, if you're a real big fan of Roman numerals, all these first pages are Roman numerals. It's page 14. But Sundays and Seasons, three-year lectionary series A. Well, there's three years, I suppose, we can probably guess what the other two are called. They're called series B and C. And on the left-hand side there, you'll see the beginning of the church here. Advent, Christmas, Epiphany, the baptism of our Lord in there as the first Sunday in the Epiphany season. Then comes Lent, the Holy Week seasons of readings, the Easter season, Pentecost, and, well, then there's a bunch of dates, starting with May 14th. Imagine why it would start with May 14th. Well, the latest that Easter can ever possibly be is there in the last part of May, and so you need room for Pentecost and Trinity, and so somewhere on May 24th, I'm sorry, May 24th, that next series of readings is going to pick up. What is the date today? August 13th. Well, if we go down, there it is. June, July, August 13th. It's even right there. And guess what? Those are the readings we had today. Job 38, Romans 10, and Matthew 14. There she goes! <laughs> In fact, this series of readings is so regular, I can tell you with a little bit of calculating what the readings are going to be on any Sunday ever. So long as we still play the series. Because it's all laid out here. It's all laid out here in black and white. If you turn the page, you'll see, lo and behold, 
series B laid out. And what would you guess? Yes, yes. One more page and there's series C. Now, turning back to A, which is where we are now. One of the things that defines A, B, and C as different one from another is which gospel is going to be predominant in that particular unit. We'll talk more about this when we get to the gospel lesson for the day as part of our sermon reading, but I just wanted to point out why the A, B, and the C. A is for readings that are going to primarily focus on Matthew. Like today's stuff. In fact, if you look in that last column on uh, page 15 in the Roman numerals, boy, it's Matthew, 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 just about all the way down. Except for when you go back up to the Easter season where you see it in the John lessons. John gets play in Easter time. John gets play around Christmas time. John gets play in some of those particularly important parts of the church here. Well, if Matthew's in A, then yes, Mark is B, and Luke is C. John doesn't get his own year, but he gets sprinkled through all the other ones, just so we don't forget about it. <laughs> but as you can see, with the gospel lesson, it runs right kind of straight down. One lesson right after the other, especially in the summertime. If you look back to the Old Testament reading, it doesn't do that. It doesn't do that. So like today, we've got Job 38. Last week, we had Isaiah 55. Week before that, we had Deuteronomy 7. Then we were back in Isaiah for two Sundays, Zechariah, Jeremiah. If we look ahead, we're going to be in Isaiah a couple of weeks, and then Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Genesis, Isaiah again. He seems to like Isaiah quite a bit with reflections of business. Ezekiel, Isaiah, Isaiah, Isaiah. There is a lot of Isaiah in the Russian. But it doesn't run right through. So what's the rhyme or reason? Well, maybe there isn't any. And I'll tell you, there are some passages who would say, yeah, there isn't any rhyme. I see it differently. You probably guessed that. These Old Testament lessons are particularly chosen to go along with the gospel lesson for the day. They give us a, another point of reference and a point of conversation with what's going on in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in fact, they give us a chance to see for ourselves some of the themes that we might want to develop in our teaching, preaching, meditating, devoting along through the week. So, for example, if you take a look at the gospel lesson today, you've got Matthew 14. And you've got a lot of things going on there. Jesus has just finished feeding the 5,000. He sends the crowds away, goes up onto a mountaintop to pray after sending his disciples away in the boat. Kind of wonder if Jesus knows how he's going to get over to the other side. Both already headed out. He's going to walk around the whole thing. He's got something in mind already, though, doesn't he? He goes up to pray. 
The storm comes up. He sent his disciples out into the boat, knowing that there was a storm coming. Shouldn't they have just taken shelter on the shore and just waited for that whole thing to pass? What kind of a compassionate Jesus is this? And then they're out there for hours and hours. And hours. It's the fourth watch of the night when he comes out to them. That's at the end. That's like four o'clock in the morning. So they've been in this storm now for hours and hours and hours, wondering if they're ever going to get out. They're exhausted, wondering if they're ever going to be capsized or where Jesus ever ended up. And then they see him. They see what they think is a ghost. Walking on the water. And they are terrified. As though they weren't already scared of the storm, now they're scared of this ghost thing. It's out of the frying pan into the fire, as far as they're concerned. This whole thing was a manifestation of evil from the beginning. Unless, of course, it wasn't. Unless, of course, Jesus is there. And as they cry out in terror, he gives them this first word of gospel. Don't be afraid. It is I. Don't be afraid. It is I. So in the midst of this occasion, in the midst of this moment of terror, in the midst of this coming of Jesus in order to diffuse all of the fear, we also have our Old Testament lesson. The Lord God comes to Job. The Lord God comes to Job and has some questions for him. Job had had a few questions for the Lord. Like, why is my life not turning out the way I wanted it to? Why am I suffering? And let's not undermine Job's suffering. It was intense and it was further than most of us have ever suffered ourselves. But why, if I am righteous and blameless in your sight, why am I at the bottom of the totem pole? Why am I getting the short end of the cosmic stick? Why am I suffering so intensely? And with all of those questions, one would imagine, one might hope that if the Bible is going to tell us anything, it's going to give us the answer to that question. When in fact it doesn't. The Lord comes back to Job and asks him questions. Can you see farther than I can? Were you there at the beginning when I was already present? Are you greater than the angels that served me? Do you have all wisdom and can answer all questions? Can you see into the depths of the mysteries of the earth and explain all things? Tell me if you have such wisdom. Can you see all these things? What's fascinating to me about Job's response is that he takes that answer in and of itself. That's good news. Why? Is God giving promises to hold on to? No. 
he takes it as good news because God has not been silent in his suffering. In the midst of his suffering, God has brought a word. God has approached him and spoken, and he is still in control. He is still in charge. And so if I'm going to be in the hands of anyone, I'm going to be in the hands of the God whom I have trusted from the beginning. Even, even if he doesn't explain himself to me. Even if I really have no right to ask him to explain himself to me. Job takes it as gospel and comfort that God doesn't remain silent any longer, but that God comes out and down to him and brings this word, even, even a word of questions that put Job in his place. But what a beautiful place to be when you are there in the hand of God. So with that Old Testament reading, we have two points of lectionary provision for us. And with two points, we can draw a line and we can create a trajectory. And we can take a look at our gospel lesson and we can get a sense for how we're going to read it in conversation with this Old Testament lesson. We could take a look at Jesus praying up on the mountain. And in that praying, it's going to be a question of whether or not it's going to be him speaking to his father as Job. Why aren't people listening to my promises? Why aren't people taking hold of the gifts that I'm giving them? Why is this? Why is that? We could think about the fear of the disciples and the experience that they're having in the midst of the squall. We can take note of the gospel word that Jesus announces to them when he arrives. That he doesn't promise them in the middle of the squall the forgiveness of sins because of his death and resurrection, does he? No. He gives them an appropriate word. Instead of saying, don't worry, guys, your sins are forgiven. He says, it is I, I'm here. And that is enough to diffuse their fear. If it truly is Jesus, then this fall is not going to get the last word. He is. How do they know this? Because they've already seen what this guy can do. They've already seen it to the point where Peter says, if it's not a ghost, if it's really you, Jesus, let's test that theory and you ask me to come on out. Now, I'm not sure, I'm not sure what he thought a ghost might do with that. I mean, if I was a ghost on trick-or-treat night, maybe I think it'd be funny to have him get all wet in the lake, in the middle of a squall. But Jesus says, 
And as he places his foot right where the water is, Peter is born up. We can take a look at the Old Testament lesson and see that this Jesus, who says, I am, is truly the great I am who is the answer to all of the questions that God asked Job. Were you there at the beginning when I laid the foundations of the earth and put the pillars in their places? Can you answer me? No. But my Lord Jesus, who died for me and who loves you, was. And he advocates for me. Now, in our gospel lesson, we finally have the answer to all those questions that God asked Job. And not just an answer, but the man, Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, who is mediator between God and man, who stands in my place as well as at the right hand of the throne of God and embraces us both. Job prayed for a mediator, someone who could lay his hand on both Job and in the hand of God so that they could be one again. Christ is that one. So it is pure gospel for Jesus to be there and to be God's answer so that Job's mouth can be filled with praise. Peter walks out on the lake. He sees again, just like Job did, and just like we so often do as well, all of the reasons not to trust Jesus. They get all piled up like waves and winds. He takes his eye off the Lord and he begins to sing and to fail. When it comes time to pray, comes time to pray, he knows where to go. Lord, save me. Jesus once again reaches down, not just with a word, but with a strong and mighty right arm to save. Unsheathing that arm of power, it is enough, grabbing hold of Peter so that he can be brought back into the boat. This entire episode is played out in the company of the fishermen there on the boat. And their thought, their thought, after seeing all that they have seen, from, from the squall to the praying Jesus on the mountainside to the walking Jesus on the water to the walking Peter to the saved Peter and rescued Peter and to the calm that now surrounds them on this sea of Galilee is to recognize that the one who questioned Job 
is now the one in their foes. They worshiped him as God. We read the Old Testament lesson. We have a conversation from the prophets and the apostles together, all focused in Christ so that we can proclaim clearly from any portion of Scripture the majestic glories of him who has called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Amen. Peace of God that passes all human understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in faith for Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.